It's the Naked Security Podcast. I'm Doug, that's Paul, and for July we have a lot of things to talk about. No time is ever truly slow in cybersecurity, is it? But certainly July 2021, if you were expecting a vacation, I would take my phone with me. Yeah, this has been one for the ages, for sure, (laughs) as July's go. So uh, we have some um, housekeeping to take care of. I would like to draw attention to, we talked about the 20-year anniversary of Code Red last week on This Week in Tech History. And I'd love to uh, point out that you wrote a great piece on Naked Security about your experience with Code Red, which you also talked about on last week's podcast. Oh, gee, thanks, Doug, because I have to thank you because you're the one who said, hey, This Week in Tech History, Code Red, weren't you there? And that was what made the penny drop. Hey, let's tell the story because things like Code Red and the SQL Slammer as well as another one. They're great lessons to learn from, even if today's attacks might not follow exactly the same storyline. Anytime that you are generating massive amounts of unwanted network traffic, the very best that's going to be ha- going to happen is an unexpected distributed denial of service attack. That's the starting point in all of this. We had some uh, instances of misery-loving company, some com- a handful of comments of people who were there and had to deal with it like you did, which was kind of, yep. I don't want to say amusing, but it's, uh, that, was a, that was a tough uh, stretch for a lot of people. A lot of- and you can see them saying, this really was a bad time in my life, yeah. even though it wasn't like a modern ransomware attack. Just so many fingers got pointed, so many people got aggravated. There was so much wailing and gnashing of teeth. And it forced us to change our practices. And that's always hard for people. And there was the chap who said, you know, we had all these, I think they were HP printers at the time that were running a little web server. Now, you probably wouldn't do that for security reasons on printers anymore, but they were very convenient. And he said, basically, this thing just blew our printers out of the water because it was continually probing them and hammering them, just messed everything up. Yeah, he said the printers would work for a while after power cycling, but eventually stopped responding again. Like, how frustrating would that be? And you think nobody's exploiting a bug in the printer. They're not trying to steal your data. They were just trying to like, ha ha ha, you're running IIS. I'm going to poke a knitting needle in your eye. And oh, did I crash all your printers? Well, bad luck. Anything on port 80 is just getting hammered while uh, while it's slowly starting up and then crumbling again. So that is a that is a good piece. The code red piece was written on July 15th. And then we've got some housekeeping to take care of with the print nightmare. Bug, which oh, is still a nightmare. <laughs> I think that may be an issue in, in this and the next few episodes, judging by how things are going. It's turned into such a big and long-running saga. So what is the current state of the print nightmare bug? Well, it looks as though, just to recap the story very quickly, again, again, there was a print spooler bug fixed in June Patch Tuesday. Local elevation of privilege. Worrying, but not quite as worrying as remote code execution. So everyone stood down for a blue alert a little bit. Later in the month, it's elevation of privilege and remote code execution. But don't worry, the patch covers both. Phew, stand down from blue alert again. And then, as you know, there were some researchers out of China who figured, oh, we've got a elevation of privilege plus remote code execution. So the one we found must actually be the same. And they published it as a proof of concept, figuring... There's already a patch, no harm done. Very quickly, everyone said, 
dudes, what have you done? What have you done? And so oh, don't worry, we'll delete it too late. And so now there's another bug and that got a CV number. And then Microsoft put out a patch which nearly but didn't quite work, which is what we spoke about last week. And we're saying apply that patch because it does protect you against some particular incarnations of the print nightmare attack, which was the new vulnerability. Then just when all that was news was breaking, a new new vulnerability apparently came out. And I don't think there's a formal patch for that one yet. So there's the original vulnerability that turned out to be more serious than first thought, which is the thing you think everyone should panic about. But that actually did get patched. Then there was one that was just as serious that escaped by mistake that did get patched, but the patch only half worked. And just when everyone's come to terms with that, there's a new new vulnerability. And so our advice, which incidentally is exactly what Microsoft's saying is, if you possibly can, leave that print spooler stopped and disabled. In fact, that is all Microsoft's saying, last I saw, for their official workaround. And again, if ever you were looking for a sign that it's time to go paperless, that now's the time, this might be the sign you've been looking for. Got our housekeeping out of the way. We'll get into our main stories now. We're going to talk about an Apple iPhone patch that we're not really sure what it does. Uh, we'll talk about how to snitch on a cyber crook for up to $10 million. And we've got a home delivery scam that is, uh, I don't want to use the I word, but kind of impressive in its uh, grammatical acuity. Better than average, I would Better say. Better than average. Well above the median, I think mm -hmm. is a good way to put it. Even I yeah. was impressed, and I'm always on the lookout for... You uh, are. Grammatical yeah. and spelling oh, mistakes. Got a comma wrong. Yes. Nope. They, they got all the apostrophes, and its and its yeah. in the right place, and so we'll let, take a look at that. But first, fun fact: a company called Eternal Reefs mixes a person's ashes with concrete to create an underwater habitat for marine life. From initial casting to dropping the large reef in the ocean takes about four days, with prices starting at three thousand dollars. So, Paul, you too can live forever under the sea. Um, let's talk about this iPhone patch. It is, um, well, I guess I, could, I would pose the question to you. Would you rather have bugs fixed quickly or wait for detail about what was fixed, even if it delays the fixes a bit? Yes, we, we've seen this before. The update's out. Everybody, including us, is reporting on it. It's listed on Apple's security page. I personally haven't received any emails that tell me what it's about. And when I go there, it says iOS 14.7 brackets, details available soon, close brackets. And you think, I'd love to know what was fixed, mainly because of that fascinating crash-tastic Wi-Fi bug we spoke about recently that was found about a month ago. Like, did it fix that? Because that's, that's what I'd love to know. But as you say, even if it isn't fixed in this patch, there are probably 23 and a half other things that did get fixed. And so the fact that I don't know whether my favorite bug of the last month has been fixed doesn't mean I'm going to put off getting the fixes that are inevitably going to be there for all the other stuff that got mopped up anyway. Certainly, it's worth doing that little tap dance that you do with your phone if you have an iPhone, settings, general software update, because if you do have the latest update, it will tell you, and if you don't, it will leapfrog you to the front of the queue in getting it because Apple does spread the load a little bit so you don't get absolutely every phone in the world updating at an identical time. 
And keep an eye on that story. That is Apple iPhone patches are out. No news if recent Wi-Fi bug is fixed on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. But it's exciting times nevertheless. Exciting is that you could you could earn $10 million for the capture of a cyber criminal, Paul. Yes. Um, snitch and win, I think, is the, the way you might put it. And the reason that we wrote about this on Naked Security is, of course, the rather distressing or disappointing news that we've spoken about before about those rival ransomware crooks uh, who, when one of their affiliates managed to infect perhaps thousands of networks at the same time, we don't know whether they really intended it to go that big or not, but you remember the whole Kaseya thing and Revil thought, you know what, maybe we won't get as much money as we would have done if we'd done it piecemeal, but let's throw the cat among the pigeons. Let's get the good guys pointing fingers and shouting at each other. Let's offer, that was the, you know, pay us $70 million ransom. Seven zero, biggest ransom I've ever heard of. And then we'll liberate everybody. We'll give you a decrypt of every single computer in this whole attack. But you will have to get your act together and collectively come up with all that money. And of course, we wrote about that saying to people, well, we don't think anyone's going to come up with that much money. <laughs> There's no we way. They want to. <laughs> yeah, as you said, by the time, if you've got a thousand people trying to agree, who's, you know, it, it's hard enough. You... And what? How many computers yeah. do you have? How many computers do you have? How many computers you, do you, you have? You know, you go out when, with a, when you go out with a load of colleagues that you haven't seen for a while at a conference and you have a meal and mm-hmm. everyone's, oh, no, no, but I, I had the cheap wine. No, I had the rosé. No, I don't eat meat. No, no, I... I had the, I only had the starter. Yeah. You, you know how it goes. Instead of everyone just going, there's a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. make a big pile and give the person a big tip because we've been arguing about this for 20 minutes. It doesn't work out like that, does it? So, so as you said, that's going to be hard enough. But when we asked people, so what do you think? Uh, the people said, well, wouldn't it be nice if we just turn the tables and you know, let's have reward offers that big and shake it all up and see what comes out in the wash. And woohoo. I'm sure this wasn't entirely a coincidence, but it must have taken much longer than the time since the Kaseya attack to get the approval for this. I'm understanding the US Department of State via the diplomatic service. You know, they've they've traditionally for the last 40 years, they've had these special rewards for people who will give up, up information about, you know, capturing terrorists or infiltrating terrorist organizations running outside the US, et cetera, et cetera. But they've decided, okay, $10 million is the reward money in the bag now for information about or location of cyber crooks who go after critical infrastructure. It's a very specific sort of reward. You can't just dob in your neighbor who occasionally dabbles in keyloggers and get $10 million. But I guess, as you and I said when we were discussing this earlier, it's kind of a start. Yeah. Apparently, this, this scheme's been going for around about just under 40 years, and they've paid out just over a hundred times and it seems they pay out a, a mean average of around about two million dollars a go. So it's not like they're paying all the time. Sadly like ransoms do seem to get paid all the time. But it's kind of a start of saying, well let's try and deal with the the very big end, the concerted end of town, where obviously the crooks have got time that instead of going after one company and if that doesn't work another company, they're actually going to pick something in our country and go after it. If I had a concern about this, it would be that there might be people, if you like, if you call a little bit further down what they might feel of as the pecking order, 
You're going, you see, I told you the crooks wouldn't be interested in little old me. It's all about this huge stuff. It's all about oil pipelines. It's all about, you know, something dramatic like that and crazy like that. And of course it isn't. There are all sorts of crooks operating at all sorts of levels. This reward isn't aimed at information that will capture what you might call the low-end crooks. But that doesn't mean that getting hit, for example, by ransomware criminals that go after small networks, 10 users at a time, $10,000 at a time, is going to hurt your business any less than if the crooks came along and asked for a million. If you're unable to pay and you're unable to recover your business, doesn't matter whether they're asking for 50 bucks or 50,000. I read an interesting article over the weekend. It was more of a uh, opinion piece. And the idea would be that you, we have all these uh, you know, elite hackers in our ranks here in the United States of America, and we set up a kind of a task force that would find exploitable computers. And instead of delivering ransomware to those computers, would deliver a message that says, your computer is susceptible. We found these holes in your system, and you should patch them up. So like a team of government-funded white hat hackers that would kind of do, you know, pen testing on every computer that was exploitable. Speaking of the little guys. Well, Doug, we have seen that on several occasions before, done with the agreement of the legal system in, in the countries involved. Uh, I know that uh, there was a case a few years ago where it happened in the Netherlands, where the Dutch police were able to seize some bot control server and they used the fact that when you called home they could in theory run a program on your computer without you having to press the button basically to change your wallpaper and say hey you've got this malware on your computer a we've removed it and b here are some things you ought to think of doing because you're kind of letting the side down folks and their analogy was it's very much like what apparently the dutch police are expected to do in day-to-day -day life, if they're patrolling and they notice that your front door's been kicked in, it's not just that they're allowed to, it's almost like they're expected to go and make sure the house is safe and they will go through and they will try and secure your house and they will leave a note inside, just like TSA does when they search your bag. They leave a note saying, if you're wondering why your underpants have been disturbed, <laughs> we, we opened up your bag and had a look inside. Mm -hmm. And so they figured, well, this is the same thing. People expect us to do that. They expect us to watch out for their property and their stuff when they're not around. We think people will be delighted. And it turned out that a lot of people weren't that delighted at all. They kind of thought, oh, we're meddling. How dare you tell me what mm -hmm. to do? And you, you ran a program on my computer without asking me. You're as bad as the crooks. And you're kind of thinking, well, if the crooks had done it, they wouldn't have put up a nice wallpaper saying, hello, this is your friendly Dutch police force. <laughs> they would have probably stolen all your data and smashed all your files. Mm -hmm. uh, before they did that, they'd probably use a computer to, spend, to send 25 million spam messages to set the next wave of malware in, in train and so on. Lots of privacy implications. But, Sticky wicket. You know, what you're saying is, yeah, sort of compulsory patching. Can we just jump in and do it? And that is a point, by the way, that I, I made in the Code Red article. There is a sense when it comes to doing things like not patching and not taking cybersecurity quite seriously enough yourself, there is that sense that an injury to one can be an injury to all. And Code Red proved that in spades. Even people who'd already patched, even people like that guy with his HP printers who wasn't running IIS, found that 
the person who was and who didn't care and did get infected was causing him a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe that's where we'll end up. It's oft talked about. It has been attempted a few times, this kind of hack back to patch. The FBI has done it, at least once that I know of. The Dutch police had this famous incident. And there was a little bit of warmth, but there was an, also an awful lot of shouting about it mm-hmm. by people who didn't like it. So still a little work to do, but if you need a little seed money, you can earn $10 million by snitching on a cyber crook, up to $10 million. So that uh, article is on yeah. Naked Security. I, I suspect you may have to give some pretty full and frank information. Well, we talked about Apple a little bit earlier in the show and in our segment This Week in Tech History. This week in 1999, Apple released its first iBook. If you remember, the iBook G3 was available in blueberry or tangerine colors. It was a clamshell-shaped iBook. Yeah, the days were very different then, weren't they? Before Bauhaus Aluminium hit the scene. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it was 300 like... megahertz PowerPC G3 processor. It cost $1,600, which is around... $2,500 in today's money, and was notable for offering built-in Wi-Fi. In 1999, that's quite a thing. Because remember, if you, had a, if you had a Windows laptop, you had those... Do you remember the, the PCMCIA cards? Oh, sure do, yeah. They, they were like the size of a credit card, but about a yeah. million times thicker, and they had yeah. that giant bulgy thing at the end. Don't bend those the, pins when you're shoving them inside. Don't bend those pins. It. Yeah, built-in Wi-Fi. Yep. Turn it was it on, uh, it works. believed to be the first mainstream consumer electronics uh, product to do so. Wow! All I've got to do is find somewhere to connect to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for the trip down memory lane. Let's talk about this home delivery scam because this is eerily good. Yes, I think that's a good way to put it, Doug. It's it's not the first near word perfect punctuation perfect scam I've ever seen, but. Of smishing scams that we've seen and written about in the past one or two years, and we've written about them frequently on Naked Security and spoken about them nearly as frequently on the podcast. Even the ones that have tried quite hard, there's always been something in the grammar or the spelling that didn't quite work out, hasn't there, Doug? And you used to say they should they should hire a proofreader. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> in high dungeon. This is one you have to catch by the URL. You have to catch this one at the URL level yeah. almost. Or because... later on when you've already probably given away your credit card number. Yeah. The next thing that happens where you get mother's maiden name and birthday, that's a dead giveaway. They're trying too hard. But of course, they've already got you to the point that you've willingly paid three pounds by then. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It, the URL, I mean, you should you should get it. Go to nakedsecurity.solvos.com, look at the pictures. I've done them all, so they're all exactly to the same scale, so they all line up nicely. And I'm sure you'll look at that and go, I wouldn't fall for it. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing that needs a second glance. It, this one really needs Stop, Think, Connect. There's nothing that jumps out like they got the name of the company wrong or they... Put, got the wrong currency sign or they asked for a phone number in the wrong format. They did some um, nice touches that you wouldn't expect. Like if you want this delivered tomorrow, it's three bucks or two days from now, it's a buck. And you're like, okay, that seems like something that a, a courier company would actually offer. And they've got that thing, where has my parcel been? Like you get on a legitimate site and mm-hmm. you can click up and it shows you, you know, the tracking timeline. It's in the warehouse. It's at our depot. It's at our depot. It's blah. It's gone to your home. You weren't there. It's come back. And I think the crooks have copied most of that 
from a legitimate tracking procedure in a regular delivery. And then they've just added their own one at the top, currently held in warehouse. When I saw it, I thought, oh, well, they've no mistakes in the SMS. But how hard can that be? You know, what is it, 160 characters? And a lot of that's the URL. Mm-hmm. How hard can it be to copy and paste one sentence without making a mistake? And then as I went on, it just apart from the URL, there was nothing in there that you go, the real company would never have made that mistake. Yeah. And, and, and in the off chance that you had actually missed a package or were expecting a package, yeah. you would be going through this frustrated and being like, okay, I'll just sign up. You would be doing this quickly. And little touches like, okay, you've given them your credit card and they say, we're not going to deduct the payment until the delivery date to give them a couple days to like, you're not going to see this right away. And then all of a sudden you're going to see, you know, a thousand dollars taken out. Or, <laughs> you know. So if you're wondering why no transaction has come through for that amount, great excuse and very kind. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So we've touched on this a bit, but what, what can people do to avoid scams like these? Often you will receive an email or a message that has a link in it that will be harmless to click or important to click. But we also notice that there are a lot of occasions where you can avoid clicking a link in an email that is likely to put you in harm's way. And things like tracking links in Mm -hmm. emails or SMSs are an excellent example. Because lots of companies do it because they know that people don't want to have to type in the name of the company even if it's a three-letter courier company with a really short domain <laughs> name, they, they don't want to have to type that in and then go in and type in their whatever it is, 12-digit tracking code. Even though it's not that hard, even though it only takes 30 seconds, it is, let's face it, much easier and in some ways less error-prone if you tap the button that has the link that has that data encoded into it and it takes you straight to the page and obviously then ask you to log in, et cetera, et cetera. So our recommendation is simply if you can avoid using those links and you can you have the time to put in the extra 30 seconds and type in your tracking code off a document you got earlier yourself, mm-hmm. then what that means is that you'll never be clicking links in things like SMSs, not legit ones, but more importantly, not bogus ones either. So you'll, you're taking on a little bit of hassle for yourself, a tiny little bit, in return for basically breaking the entire MO of the crooks, which is relying on you just tapping the link and expecting to end up on a page that looks like a career company page. So that's the, the first advice. You also want to check those URLs carefully. If it's obviously wrong, just don't go there. The third thing that's important, of course, is that if you are in the middle of an online transaction and you suddenly realize, oh no, I'm in harm's way. Bail out immediately. Don't put good info after bad or bad info after good, whichever way around it is in that metaphor. Basically get out immediately. But remember, this is very important, that when you are entering fields into a web form, the JavaScript behind that web form can capture not only each field at a time before you press submit or OK, but even each character at a time. So anything you've typed in, even if you've typed in half your password and you didn't press OK, or even if you type in your credit card number and then exit, could already have your number. So act immediately. If it's a password that you think you've given away, go in yourself and change that password quickly. 
because if you change it before the crooks do, you win. Likewise, if you think you've given your credit card or any of your credit card details away to somebody else, get your real card out. There's a phone number on the back. Call it. Tell your bank, I'd like to cancel my card. Or if Mm. you've got an app that lets you do that, do it immediately. So don't wait to see what happens, because like you said, by the time the payment hasn't gone through, (laughs) the one that has gone through won't be for $3. (laughs) Yeah. And lastly, of course, do keep an eye on your bank and credit card statements. And just as importantly, look for funds that come into your account that you were not expecting, because that's not supposed to happen. And it could be the sign of fishy behavior. Refund scams are quite common where the crooks are suddenly contact. Oh, we accidentally paid you by mistake. Can we get a refund? We'll let you keep some of the money for your trouble or whatever. Then they want the money back by wire transfer or something, and you're left out of pocket. Our old adage, I know we've said it a lot, but I think it's easy to remember. It's great to keep in your mind. If in doubt, don't, don't give, give it, it out. Okay, good advice. Home delivery scams get smarter. Don't get caught out. That is on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. We shall deftly slip into our oh no of the week. This is something that I spotted while I was reading an article on the satirical and popularizing news site, The Register. Uh, and it's one of their commenters who is commenting on business email compromise. Business email compromise. This would be, you know, if I get an email from my, who would, someone that appears to be my boss saying, Hey, Doug, I need to borrow your car. Leave the keys in the tailpipe tonight in the car park and I'll bring it back on Monday. Honest. Or, yeah, we need to send <laughs> this. Uh, we need to pay this yeah. invoice immediately. Here's where to send the money. And I say, oh, geez, yes. I better we pay We changed this. our bank account. or Yeah, that's usually how it goes, isn't it? So in this case, an email came in that looked like an official request from an MSP customer, so customer of this person's, to remove a certain number of months worth of backup data urgently. So the person that got this email thought, okay, this is a scam because they want me to remove these backups in order to clear the deck for a ransomware attack. Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Because you, if you're worried about space, you'd say, delete the really old backups. You wouldn't say, I want to keep all the ones from two years ago, but the last year's worth, no, you can get rid of those, and you have to do it by this afternoon. Yeah. It, it sounds very fishy indeed. <laughs> so this, this sysadmin at the MSP decided to call the customer up and warn them to say, listen, something fishy's going on. I got this email that asked to uh, delete these recent backups. And it turns out that the customer was actually the crook and requested for the MSP to delete all these things because he was going to get in trouble for uh, this, this. There was evidence on his computer. Apparently, by the time the guy called up, it wasn't answered by the normal company. It was answered by a very sort of uh, policeman sounding voice. Uh, uh, and it was, in fact, a representative of the serious fraud office. And in between the guy sending the email and the phone call coming in, they got raided. <laughs> so the, the, basically the cop answers the phone and uh, the yeah. MSP admin says, do you want me to delete this stuff? And the cop says, we would rather you didn't, actually. We'd like to look through this. So that's great. Can you imagine the cop is like, where well. we've got to find the backups, you've got to find the backups. And the call comes in, hey, do you want me to delete the backups? Ah, backups. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call. (laughs) That is an oh no indeed. Well, I suppose it's actually an oh yes. Happy ending there. I guess the the MSP did the right thing in every possible way. Yep. He checked and he found out the truth and he acted accordingly. (laughs) He did. 
So if you have an no-no that you'd like to submit, we'd love to read it on the podcast. Please email tips at sophos.com. Comment on any one of our articles or hit us up on social at Naked Security. For Paul Ducklin, I'm Doug Ameth, reminding you until next time to stay, stay secure. secure.